Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cavs have got a game on the Celtics. They have cut the series lead in half. Um, They blew out Boston, and they did it after Jason Lloyd bullied Tyron Lue into benching Rodney Hood. Carter, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm good. Um, I think that when it's all said and done, when the Cavaliers are uh, raising their 2017-18 championship banner, we'll know to thank Jason Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, he really proved to be the difference maker. Jason Lloyd, uh, he... he <laughs> what was funny is, like, it's it. not like he even replaced him. I guess he kind of replaced him with Clarkson in the rotation. Yeah, because Clarkson didn't, didn't, look good. didn't play. No, Jordan Clarkson took 11 shots. Like, the, the only people that took more shots were, like, LeBron and Love, and they both took, like, one more shot than him in the game. Clarkson was eating in garbage time, eating bad possessions. Yeah, I've never seen someone who, like, I liked Clarkson's garbage time a lot because it was like, here's this guy that so very much needs to get on pace and, like, get himself into a good rhythm, and instead he just took nine step-back threes. (laughs) Well, at least he's consistent. And actually, you know what? To be fair to him, he was he was in the game during an important stretch where the Cavs really opened it up, and I felt like he was playing good defense. Whereas Rodney Hood, who I believe to be a more talented player than Clarkson, um, he's just looked lost out there, and uh, I I don't hate it. I would like to see a little more Jetty, but what we should talk about is the guards that haven't really been present in this series, but made their uh, series debut in game three here, both George Hill and J.R. Smith coming up with big performances. Hill in particular, uh, his assertiveness really set the tone early on in this game. Yeah. When he's like actually looking fun to functional on offense, like and aggressive, the Cavs just take on such a different tone. Um, by the way, how low is our bar for these two? That them shooting four of eleven and three of eight is like holy shit! What a game! <laughs> they shot well, a cool I, seven I of mean, nineteen from the field. <laughs> but I'm not. But I, I'm not. This podcast is basically a celebration of two people clearing a very low bar. So, yep. I, I can see why that would carry over to how we enjoy these players. Yeah, I just thought, um, you know, I thought Hill was the one who, like, I was the most disappointed in. Um, I wrote in my preview that uh, Hill, like, had to have just been, like, thanking his lucky stars that JR was such a ridiculous mess in game two. <laughs> because no one even bothered to yell at uh, Hill, but Hill well, Hill's was frustrating ass. because Hill's struggles are he's not doing anything. Like Jr. will be actively bad, but Hill is like he was just so passive at times in this series, and 
they really need him to be assertive like he was in this game. I thought running the first through first few sets through him and, and running some pick and roll with him uh, kind of forced him to be a little more aggressive, which was something that we had mentioned on the last pod, uh, that maybe by giving him more responsibility, it wakes him up. Um, but yeah, I don't think they need tons out of George Hill. Like they don't need him to be Kyrie Irving. They just need him to be an actual point guard that, that plays the position. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think Hill played great, but really this, I think this win was one, a loss for the Celtics who had abandoned a lot of their really strong principles, especially offensively over the course of this series. I thought it was a win for Tyron Lue. Um, I thought the Cavs, I, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast with Wen Horst and it was so funny because ultimately like what he just kept coming down to is like, I just think they should run stuff. <laughs> just, I think they should, you know, if they just run more stuff, it was so yeah, no, funny just, hearing just it from play. Zach Lowe, like who like wants to break things down at such a granular level, but like can't because the Cavs just like played the worst offense against switching defenses in the world, which is, you know, get a switch, pound the ball, try one action, have it get shut down. Like against good defenses, you have to do multiple things and multiple things at once. And you have to get in your offense fast. <laughs> Excuse me. Still fighting through a little bit of a cough. Um, I, I was really hoping that you were going to sound like suicidal again after no. this game. So we could at least set that. Oh, that would be that awesome. Oh, it actually. wasn't, it wasn't just Carter struggling with the loss. No, that, Sorry, let, let me try the sentence again. Uh, it wasn't just uh, players, you know, just walking up the court. Everyone ran into their sets. And does that work? Does that work? No. Yeah, um, I think that was good enough. Uh, guys were running into their sets. Um, guys were really sprinting to the corners. Um, they generated a lot of good looks out of early offense where the Celtics were kind of scrambling to get to where they wanted to get to um they were able to generate mismatches uh, i thought kevin love did a really nice job um forcing the defense to destabilize on switches um mm -hmm. you know i i saw someone tweet uh in game two like stop switching like when your big post up marcus smart it is not a mismatch fuck you it's a mismatch for kevin love <laughs> Kevin Love can, is way stronger but, but than Marcus Smart. But he's strong, Smart. Carter. He's, he's, he's got combat muscles. Oh, very scary. Uh, we saw this last year. We saw it. Th we see it this year. Love wins that matchup. He's, he's bigger and stronger and gets a good angle on a, on a jump hook four feet from the rim every time. He dropped one in on Smart. Um, and this is the interesting thing about the Celtics is the physical defense stuff just doesn't really work when you're on the road <laughs> like no how many no, loose ball no, fouls yeah. did they get called for in game three that's just never would have happened in game one or two right all all of that was allowed to go and um it also helped from for the Cavs that uh they got the Al Horford that they're used to seeing in the playoffs tonight yeah he barely got any touches I think that was the Celtics, I think, fell in love with how good they shot the ball in, in Boston as well. Like, there were a lot of pull-up threes that, you know, really did, didn't have a great chance of landing. Um, they played weird, really weird early offense um, where they were just kind of like, I think they were really looking for home runs. And, you know, it's funny with them, 
we we shit on teams so much for caring about the regular season and caring about home court advantage, and mostly that's correct. But it is worth noting there's no team that needed it more than the Celtics, who what are they one in five, one in six in the playoffs on the road right now? Yeah, now now they're one in five after this. Like they they look which like I mean that was one of the reasons the why that was one of the reasons why we had some confidence and weren't feeling like all was lost after game two was that Boston uh, hasn't played well on the road. And there is a pretty decent chance that the Cavs would be able to go to Cleveland, have the role guys play better. Um, I think that there's a few things that we can take away from this game um, that they might even be able to carry over in, into other games. Like, well, we, we mentioned that Ty Lue doesn't seem to do a lot of in-game adjustments, but game to game, that's, that's where you see the changes. And one of the big ones in this game was that they almost played every minute with a five on the floor. Um, Thompson and which, Nance by the way, for 44 minutes. Which, by the way, the Twitter intelligentsia told us was wrong. Uh, I think both of us have been pretty confident that that's the right way to play against this team from the jump. And I think, and I think that had an impact on Al Horford. Like Thompson was able to play good minutes against him, limit his aggressiveness. And then Larry Nance showing signs of life. Like that is the most springy I've seen him. Uh, he, he moved well on defense. He wasn't picking up fouls. Um, but Larry Nance looked like Larry Nance from when we first got him in the trade pre hamstring injury. And I think if you have that length and that mobility out there, they're going to do a better job on Al Horford defensively than Jeff Greenwood in those situations or Kevin Love. And Boston's offense really does run through Horford. And that was one of the things that I thought was going to be done earlier in this series. It's frustrating that it took this long, but I think that that's something that now Boston has to try to come up with a way to counter. I think, you know, I think that people who thought that LeBron should just be playing uh, or they should be going five out um, weren't in- inherently wrong. Um, and there's a case to be made. They still win this game with a bunch of men to love of the five. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I think sometimes people conflate lineups that LeBron does well just means that the Cavs do well. Um, there were a mm-hmm. lot of really, really good lineups or there were a lot of lineups where LeBron was putting up outrageous numbers this whole year that were getting outscored um, or that had a worse net rating than, than you'd think, despite LeBron, you know, putting up like the equivalent of like 35, 11, and 11 in those lineups over the course of a full game. Like, right. It matters the kind of shots you're generating for your teammates. It matters the kind of offense you're running and it matters the kind of defense you're playing. And like, I just think sometimes people think just a little bit too one-sided and they're a little too one-dimensional with this. It's like the Cavs needed to slow down Al Horford and playing Kevin Love 30 minutes at center was never going to do that. And this Cavs team schematically does not have the juice that other Cavs teams have had to just go pour it on. Mm -hmm. And No, yeah, you're right. And it's worth noting that even... If LeBron has a good rim runner, like I don't know when we just pretended like LeBron can't play with a with a diver in the pick and roll. Like, have you noticed mm-hmm. that? Like where it's like the vibe is almost like like he unless he, the shot results in him dunking, it's not worth it. Like Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It, it's it's really weird. And and I would see like 
uh, screenshots of, oh, look, there, there's no real spacing. They only have three shooters around, like a LeBron Thompson pick and roll. Look, LeBron now has Aaron Baines in space. Like, now he has to settle for a jumper. And I was like, no, I think he was only doing that because he had a concussion. Um, but like that, that is a situation where he's going to score the bulk of the time. Um, I, I, I do think that it is important that they continue playing with the center out there, um, for at least the majority of those minutes. But I, I mean, the biggest thing and something that we had talked about a whole lot is that they just needed to hit shots. Um, they, they need to get, go out there, hit their open shots. And when they're doing that, all of a sudden the rotations look a little more healthy. You're able to rest LeBron and stagger him in love, uh, which they did a much better job of in this game. Um, I uh, My concern would still be moving forward is that because they put themselves in an 0-2 hole, they're still susceptible to being in a really tough spot if they have another cold shooting game. But um, I, I think that this is the type of game that gives this Cavs team confidence um, because we we've seen that they get in their heads um, and, and all it takes is a night like this to, to really turn things around. So hopefully that this, this is a turning point and they're able to even the series up. Cause I, I think if they can get into that situation, they're going to have a pretty good chance in the rest of the series. Yeah. The nice thing about this Cavs team is like, as much as it's frustrating that the last game doesn't matter to them, uh, it also helps that the last game doesn't matter to them. You know, it's like if they win game four, then you can just say, okay, they just have to win two of the next three. Like, and like that actually is the reality. Like, um, but in a, with other teams, you kind of think, oh, well, we've already kind of pushed our luck one and two in a row. It doesn't, what just happened has almost no bearing on what's going to happen next with this Cavs team. And it's super frustrating when they've rattled off a couple wins, then all of a sudden they forget how to play basketball. But on the mm-hmm. contrary, it does keep things a little more hopeful when things are looking dire. Um, it's really hard to read how much this uh, this game matters because because as well, we I mean, noted, it's a blowout, the, so there's not yeah. tons that you can get from a blowout. And the Celtics and... are just so bad on the road; <laughs> they're so bad at it. Yep. It, it, and their shot profile was just terrible. Like, I mean, sure, they didn't make many, but I think even if they shot well, this would have been a pretty decent loss. Um, You know, I thought Jalen Brown struggling with foul trouble. It feels like the fouls really mattered a lot Um, because they they it's not like they, you know, they got the Cavs got a super friendly whistle. The Celtics got called for two more fouls, but like they all yeah. felt really timely and whatever Boston was starting to mount some you know some kind of offensive there would be a loose ball foul going for a for a defense for an offensive rebound and uh you know love would get put on the line and Mm -hmm. it really felt like and brown was unable to play very aggressive he only played 21 minutes five fouls they put lebron on him which was interesting um yeah yeah i I did think that that was interesting I, i mean i I still don't know what you can really take away from this game defensively because Boston just seemed to make so many mistakes. Yeah, it was like, a dumbass uh, game. I, I think limiting Horford can limit the amount of great offense that they can generate. 
But I also think that there's a lot of guys that just seem to vomit all over themselves in this game. A lot of um, freelancing for Boston today. A lot of freelancing. Um, Marcus Smart shot like Marcus Smart, uh, which was nice. As you mentioned, uh, Jalen Brown had a quiet game. Uh, Tatum played great. Uh, but outside of that, they, they just didn't get a lot of help. So I, I think... I think that that you're right that uh, they kind of fell in love with the jumper and they they fell in love with the shots that they were hitting in Boston, and I would expect next game for them to come out with a little more focus. I would too. Um, this is not going to be an easy. I was actually pretty stunned by the extent to which they died in this game, and part of that was the Cavs putting them away. But as we know, the Cavs but they don't... also make comeback runs. Like yeah, that, all the that's time. the Celtics' like they... thing is that they never quit. And the Cavs have played two teams like that and the Pacers as well. They're just assholes. They're like, they're beaten, but damn it, they're not going to stop. And it didn't really happen today. I I kept waiting for that run in the middle of the third quarter to get it down to 14 or something, you know? And it just didn't really come. Um, Weird game from Brad Stevens, too. I think he was trying to do the... The like get the energy guys in like he subbed Yabasele in in the first quarter. Was, yeah, that that was really strange. I was just uh, an odd I game saw, from him. I saw Celtics Twitter reacting to that with, "Oh, he always goes wacky when things are like if things are getting out of hand, he does something kind of out of the box and and puts in someone that you would." Uh, you wouldn't expect to be in, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know really how to read that. It, it's weird. I, as I said, there's not a, or as you said, there, there's not a lot of takeaways from this game. Um, I think just from a confidence standpoint, it's big for the Cavs, especially because they can be a little bit fragile at times. I, I think that nights like this can really help them. Um, outside of that. I expect a completely different Boston team in game four. I have a takeaway. Every time Greg Monroe's on the floor and the Cavs don't put him in a high pick and roll, they should have to run a suicide. Okay, Jeff Van Gundy. I, I love Van Gundy being like, if 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 a player looked up, if oh, I was I a love referee it. and a player looked can, at the Jumbotron, I would have skinned him alive. Can we talk about Van Gundy? I love Van Gundy, and you guys are such whiners. He's just joking I'm, around. I'm just with looking his buddy. for content, man. Who cares? Who cares that he's not on topic or that he's got a few pet phrases? You know who else has a few <laughs> pet phrases? Every fucking person you know, including you. <laughs> it's just his. It's just his like go-to stories that you have every time you go to a party where you meet any new person. Uh, his are just on national TV. Sorry. Ugh. The miserable nature of Twitter just kills me because we're we should be having so much fun. We're beating the shit out of the Celtics, who as a fan base we hate. And I'm and I'm expecting to see like gleeful trolling. Nope. Just a bunch <laughs> of complaining about Jeff Van Gundy. There are worse problems in the world, folks. I was really hoping that you'd have some fun with this, but you're just you're just being a poopy pants. This is my version of fun is shitting on people. Well, you could have shit on Jeff Van Gundy. No, I love Jeff. I, Van I Gundy. think that I actually do. <laughs> Did you see the game of zones with uh, Van Gundy Island? No, I didn't, but that sounds amazing. 
please please watch that after and to our listeners watch that after we'll, we'll tweet it from the uh the chase down pod account and by that we mean justin well because i'm not going to remember to do that okay well i'll do it um is there anything else you want to touch on we're, we're trying to keep this one a little bit short we'll we'll have a longer podcast on monday uh after that game um but yeah just just trying to get quick reactions out here so carter what what's your uh kind of final takeaway here don't ever give up on larry nance again let him let him let him work through some stuff. His lease was unreasonably short in these playoffs, I felt. Um because he never was like harmful. There were games where he was like, oh, yeah, he wasn't great. Or like maybe he didn't make a huge impact. But it was weird that he was like the first one to get completely benched. Um <laughs> and I really like the way he plays. And I trust that he's gonna try really hard. I trust that he's going to add an element of verticality. And scare teams. I trust that he's going to get deflections. I just trust that guy. And I think he's going to be a really big part of this team moving forward, no matter how this the future goes. And I'm yeah, glad he's I, on the team. I, yeah, I really like Larry Nance. I mean, I think most people realize that him losing some bounce just had to do with the, the hamstring strain. Which, I mean, if you've had it, life sucks. Life sucks when you've sprained your hamstring. Um, you you just don't have the same mobility that you had before, and and he looked like himself again. And you're the Cavs were running a whole lot more offense. Um, they they weren't just running stagnant pick and rolls either. Like there there was a lot of off ball movement and disguises, and um, a lot I, of, I thought that it, a lot of good <clears throat> drifting. I loved when guys do that. Smart offensive players. Like when that, when someone's drawn a double and their defender has turned away, they don't stay right where they are, you know. No, they they drift into passing lanes, and they also drift in spots. So even if you're not getting that much better of an angle on a pass, what you're doing is you're confusing the hell out of your defender who turns around to find you, and you're not where he thought you were. Like it's just basic shit like that where they have to take that extra step as opposed to just mm-hmm. uh, running with the pass, as as Lowe was talking about on the pod. Um, and they did that. They were just engaged and active offensively. And as Zach Lowe wanted them to do, they ran some stuff. Shout out to the Cavs for running stuff. Um, <laughs> man, it really is that simple. This team is so dumb. I so love them. Dumb. They are so dumb. Let's 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 hope that this stupidity keeps going. I'm I'm feeling good again. Arrogant season is back. Um, thank you to our listeners. I hope that you guys enjoyed that game and i hope that the cast continue to give you enjoyment and fulfillment and uh fun little distraction um uh, so <laughs> god what a weird team i i can't believe that it was a blowout in this fashion yeah i Just, thought they were gonna get by by the skin of their nose but I here we it. are here we are so thanks again to our listeners remember support the show subscribe leave a rating leave a review uh, tell your friends about it. Email questions for the podcast or feedback for the podcast at chasedownpod at gmail.com. Uh, so until next time, go Cavs.